Yo, it's John from Noise Dosage Media, and this episode is brought to you by Defame Art. Are you a band or company looking for rad artwork or branding? Defame creates highly detailed artwork with a punch. He's worked with bands such as Revocation, Carnifex, Gatecreeper, and so much more. If you're interested in original artwork, merch, or even working with them, go to defameart.com. What's been the most eye-opening thing about opening NCB Recording Studio in Lakewood, Ohio in 2008? Oh, uh, well, um, originally it was it was Brainchild Recording Studio. That was the name that I went with for many years. Um, and I kind of started off in in Cleveland uh, mm-hmm. in a pretty pretty shitty space called Rock and Roll City Studios. It's a lot nicer now, I guess, but back then it was vomit in the urinals every day. Um, so we, uh, you know, I ran, ran a studio out of there for a while and then, and then moved into Lakewood, which is just a Western suburb. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, kind of got my, cut my teeth, uh, in live sound doing a house gig in Cleveland and doing some tours and stuff. And then, and then it ended up being, um, recording bands for a living. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, mostly, mostly metal bands, rock bands, local bands, that's where it all started. And then it kind of blossomed into something else. So, uh, now, a, little, a little more than that now. Would you consider it like a dream job? Have you always wanted to be a producer? Not really. I, I sort of fell into it. Um, in a way it, it was kind of an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't really go to college out of, out of high school or anything like that. I, I just, it was kind of flying by the seat of my pants and running restaurants and pizza shops and shit. So, yeah. Um, but ended up, ended up, uh, doing a gig at Peabody's in Cleveland, which has been gone for quite a few years now, but, uh, run in front of house doing sound, uh, purely because they didn't have somebody else that day. And I ended up lying to get my, get basically lied <laughs> yeah, to get the yeah, job. I do sound. Yeah, yeah. I'm really good at this, you know? And and the only experience I'd ever had was like recording my own band in a basement or something, um, right? So so I ended up doing that for for five years, um, you know. And if anybody knows anything about Peabody's, it was a uh, it was five six bands a night, five to six nights a week. So right, uh, you know, it was just a lot of battle of the bands and stuff. And so you just learn how to do it all, and you end up, you know, you end up uh, meeting a lot of people, meeting a lot of bands and you start hanging out with people and you're like, the guy's like, Oh man, you, you did a great job tonight. You ever record a band before? I'm like, well, yeah, I have. So you end up just plugging away at it until you have enough people to, uh, sustain. Right, yeah. You know, and it, it's all word of mouth and you know, ever like I've never spent a dollar on advertising. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, especially it, Facebook advertising, you don't get shit. Right. Um, so it doesn't like, it doesn't even matter because the, if you make good records, that's, that's your advertising. So that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's how I, I always kind of went by it. And then, um, you know, now it's, it's a lot bigger than it ever was. Uh, would I call it a dream job? I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy what I do, but it also has its really tedious parts and right. you, know, you, you can't take a vacation, um, unless you, you know, you got to rigorously plan shit so that you don't end up screwing somebody out of a deadline or, Mm-hmm. or some and then and then at that like like right now i'm getting text messages for when's our session start so uh, <laughs> you know it's literally right right the second so it's, yeah it's i not- feel like you get a lot of midnight texts like hey man i got a song written <laughs> some so. of them are hilarious I, I i've got some voicemails saved 
two, three in the morning voicemails from random people. Um, you know, oh man, you got to make my record. Well, <laughs> I'm going to call you back. You better answer the phone next time. And then I get four more missed calls. Uh, it's, it's a good time. Uh, you probably don't have them as clients. <sighs> no, no, I don't. So some more recording questions. When would you say a song is completed? I don't know. It's sort of a matter of opinion. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, I think, I think the, well, you mean like from a songwriter's perspective or from like a recording, right. re- you know, like perspective? I've always been told by this producer that I work with, Doug White from Lockport Watchman Studios. He always said to me, you know, a mix is never like a final product. You know what I mean? It's just kind of what you settle with. Yeah. And that's kind of the motto that I was trying to ask you. Like, what what do you say to bands when they're like, oh, man, we, we could use seven more mixes, you know? Um, usually, I, th- I think if you start running into issues like that, the relationship probably isn't going to work. Um, right. You know, I, I, I pretty much go with, okay, you do a mix, you get everything kind of where you want it, and you just try not to overdo it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then revision or two that's kind of how i've always done it especially over the last couple of years i feel like i'm getting better at it um yeah you know you you're always trying to get a little bit better at what you're doing but then also realizing i think i think the biggest um realization i ever made uh, is just letting things be what they are yep um so you can try to shoehorn something together if you want um Mm -hmm. You can try going through and doing a bunch of extra shit uh, that that's yeah. going to take you time um, that it's really hard to bill for, for time like that. Um, so you end up just, you just do the best you can. And mm-hmm. it, and hopefully, I think the idea is to, is to portray the attitude and the energy that the whoever's playing the song has. So, yeah, you, you know, you're trying to enhance it a little bit instead of, you know, you don't want to hinder the sound. And, and you know, looking back at records that I've done over the years, I, there are a lot of records that I, I look back and I cringe a little bit and I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Yeah, you know, cause exactly. I, you grow up in a little bit and right stuff. So, so what would you consider like a bad mix? Oh, I don't know. I mean, um, to me, my personally, probably something that's overly mixed, um, you can mm-hmm. tell when stuff is over mixed. I've done it. Um, I've done it on my own records. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, you know, everybody, everybody does it. And, and sometimes that's just, um, trying to maybe get some, you know, meet some expectations that aren't realistic. Um, right. so, uh, what's a bad mix? I don't know. Like, cause I mean, you could put on black flag damaged and mm-hmm. it doesn't sound good. It doesn't, it's not mixed. I mean, it was right. It's what they recorded in the room that day. And maybe they went back and punched in some group vocals or something, but it, it's a great, it's a great mix, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so, but, but there, you know, I can listen to a Nickelback record and I just turn it off because to me, oh, that, that's a bad I, record. That's a bad mix. Yeah, it's it's just, just bad. It's just a bad everything. <laughs> so shit. <laughs> yeah. Producers. I feel like, there's a lot of questions you can ask. Sure. Musicians are kind of limited, but a producer, man, there's so much knowledge and shit that they know. Um, so, all right. So on to some 
here's a personal question. Um, I saw on your Facebook that you went to school to be like an electrical engineer. Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated from Alfred for electrical myself. So what were some things that you found interesting? Like what made you get into that field? Um, well, the, honestly, I mean, it's a little personal, but at the time, uh, you know, I went back to school at 30. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had already been through, uh, live sound. I'd ever already gone through a lot, a lot of shit. So, um, I decided at that point that at the time it would be the right thing to do to try to secure a future. Right. Um, I was married at the time. So, you know, things were a little different then. And, and I was like, I'm gonna go back to school. I'm gonna go get a little two-year degree and maybe I could find yeah. a gig doing it somewhere or something and, uh, sort of get some certifications and shit. Right. You know, and you do it and then, uh, you know, the marriage ends and, and then you're single again at 32. Right. And then you're like, fuck man, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, basically. So I, I just said, you know what? Fuck this. Uh, I think I went ahead and finished it and then I never looked back. Um, I learned a lot, but I didn't, I've never actually applied any of the knowledge that I, that I got, yeah. uh, into what I do except for, uh, plug and play shit at the studio. I mean, it's everything nowadays is, is there's really not a lot of tech involved, uh, for the user. Right. So, um, everything's already freaking figured out pretty much. You just plug it in and you go through the menu and you figure it out. But, uh, you know, I, I, if anything, the most eye-opening thing was how how different kids are than than they were in the nineties, um, right? When I was yeah. in high school, so you know when you look at it, and you you know you shrug your shoulders a little bit, and you realize that you know maybe I don't know maybe my perceptions changed, maybe it was me, maybe I learned more about myself, but um, the only class I actually enjoyed was English. So and, really, and, and it's funny because <laughs> when I was younger, I hated English, but now I love it. Yeah, same. I I. I in high school, I hated it. Middle school, everything. Yeah. So, all right. So, I'm going to go on to some band questions now. Sure. Um, how has your perspective on Nunslaughter changed since you first joined in 2014? Um, well, it's it's interesting. It, I, I joined the band as a fill-in guitar player. And um, I, well, I wasn't even officially in the band uh, until after the first tour. Mm -hmm. So when I went into it, it was sort of like a job interview. Um, I had known <clears throat> Jim and Don for, I'd, I'd known Jim a lot longer than I knew Don, but um, cause I had been recording a lot of schnauzer stuff and some other, whatever weird projects he was doing at the time. So, uh, and I was recording a bunch of non-slaughter records. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, I did a lot of seven inches and little one-off releases that are, are still pretty pretty common we're still doing them now um but uh started doing all that stuff and did the tour and i didn't really have a whole lot of expectations after that but the tour went really really well so uh when i got home you know they jim and don sat me down and were like you know we'd like you'd be a permanent member of the band um so it, it was uh <laughs> you know i was like well sure let's do it i loved it i had a great <laughs> time let's keep going um they're like okay well you have to learn 30 more songs and uh, so, <laughs> you know, I, I think I know 50 or something, 55 non-slaughter songs on guitar. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously we all know what happened. Uh, you know, Jim died 
And at that point, Don said, I'm going to take a year. <clears throat> the band, he, I, I had pretty much given up on it at that point. I, th- I thought it was over with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was just, that was just me. I don't know if everybody else felt that way, but Don moved and he was in, I think he was in there. He, I think he was just in Arizona at the time. And he contacted me and said, you know, I think, I think, uh, the right thing to do would be to, to take the band and, and keep going. Right. So, and I said, okay. Um, he said, well, we need a drummer. Uh, so I, you know, it's, those are really big shoes to fill and right. not, not just the playing, but the, the, just his persona and the energy. Yeah. So it was really tough to find somebody, but you know, I looked around just, and I said, you know, I'm not going to go on this like extensive search for a drummer. Don's not even here. He's in Arizona. So I have to be the band dad in Cleveland. And, uh, <laughs> so, and so, uh, you know, and <clears throat> Murph was in the band and still, and, uh, so we, we, I knew a guy named Joe that could play the drums and he's a sick drummer and he, he'd been playing in, in, you know, uh, metalcore bands and, and deathcore bands and stuff. But, but I'd done some stuff with him, uh, in the studio as like a, he'd done some session work for a guy. And I was like, yeah. man, this, this guy's really good. So, uh, and we were doing a band called from the Hellmouth at the time and a uh, death metal band that I was singing in. And, uh, so yeah, I just asked him and, and we, I, he learned a bunch of tunes and, uh, we ended up getting him, he ended up joining the band. Um, so my perspective, I mean, I went from, <laughs> you know, the guy that was just playing guitar as a fill-in guy to basically <clears throat> sort of operating the interpersonal part of the band. Don was doing all the yeah. business end of it. He, you know, he's, right. he's the booking agent. He's the, the, the manager, whatever. And I'm handling all the, okay, I got to teach these guys 35 songs so that we can do right. a tour. And, and then, and then do new music in the, in the meantime, you know? Yes. And try, try and somewhere in there, get everybody comfortable enough to the point where we can say, okay, let's write songs that actually sound like manslaughter songs because you know, I'm the only, well, Murph, Andrew, our, our former bass player, he was, you know, he was in the band with me back in 2014 as well. So, um, it's kind of like a phantom. It was kind of like having a fan, like phantom limb syndrome. Like it was, re- it was really weird trying to sort of mold it together. And it took a while. Yeah. So I went, yeah, I went from hired, hired gun guitar player to basically scheduling band practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, all right, here you go. Here's the keys to the car drive yeah. you're only yeah. 15 but <laughs> <laughs> i think we did a pretty good job and then and then eventually you know don moved back um and we're you know now we rehearse every every week so uh we're full full go band now you know uh, we have been for the last couple of years now no i'm assuming that you guys are not rehearsing probably a stupid question but some bands are right now yeah we had our first one back last week um we went seven weeks without rehearsing so that, and that's <clears throat> that's too long for us. We, I know me, I, I'll go crazy if I don't have that. Just some like two hours ahead banging a week at least. Um, right. So so you do weeklies. Do we do this? weeklies, yeah, and then, and sometimes depending on schedules, we'll do other stuff too. But um, we practice right in the studio, um, and we can record whenever we want. So you know, sometimes it's 
it's practice. Sometimes it's um, pick ten songs, record them, and they'll yeah. go on a, go on a seven inch somewhere. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. yeah, dude. The one thing about you guys that I've noticed is the amount of material that is online. Like, I'm like, holy fuck, man! Like twenty fucking song albums, oh, yeah. uh, like an EP, ten songs. Like, you never see that nowadays. Yeah, so. it's it's got that little bit of that punk rock, um, well, a lot of punk rock mentality. So you know, short songs, energy to the point. Yep. Um, you know, not a lot of dicking around, and you know, you just rip them out. I mean, it's not hard to do, but it's hard to keep up. Um, and and you know, Nunslaughter is a very prolific band. So yep. it's it's you know, like I said before, even you know going back to Jim again, you know, filling those shoes and you know, he was a very prolific writer. The guy could, the guy could write a record on a washing and a washer and a dryer. <laughs> He's done it. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, you just, I'm like, okay, we get, I got big shoes to fill and we got to keep, keep it up, you know? Yeah. All right. I got, uh, three more questions for you. This one's from Kenny Allure. One of my buddies, he loves you guys. Awesome. So, when people think of metal hotspots in America, what usually comes to uh, shit? What usually comes to mind is places like Los Angeles, Florida, New York City, and so on. Um, who, whoever, however, Cleveland seems to have like this strong presence. You know, oh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like it, it's got this like brotherhood. Is that? you know common or because i only visit there a few times um well i i think you know cleveland is a small town um right it's not a big city and it's a little spread out i mean if you take akron and cleveland as a whole it's a little bit a little bit bigger but we are it is two different cities and it's kind of two different cultures almost too but um I think I think Cleveland absolutely is a metal hotspot. I, right. I, th- I think that uh, it's I think it is a little bit different after after having the opportunity to travel a little bit and go mm-hmm. see the world and and stuff. I I I think I am kind of lucky to be from here because you could go to a show and you could see a punk rock band, a hardcore band, and a metal band in the same night, and and nobody's there's well, I mean, there's probably somebody fighting, but there isn't like crew beef or any of that right. any of that extracurricular yeah. bullshit. Like, damn what what are you doing at this show man mm-hmm. none of that um i i, I went a couple couple years back Guttermouth came through you know punk rock mm-hmm. band from i think la or something and uh they, i mean they're hilarious i i love it so i went up to see it and i i walk in and it's like oh there's there's that guy from that band and that guy from that band and you know you're looking around and like oh, all the metalheads are here, right? Um, but but and and that's just the way it is. It's just always the way it's been. I don't. I mean, there's there's always there are always gonna be problems with people, but um, I always felt like it was a small enough scene that everybody kind of knows everyone. Um, mm-hmm. of course that has its drawbacks too, because then you got you know, well that guy fucked that guy's girlfriend, <laughs> right? And, yeah, you know, it has a country town stuff. Yeah, but uh, there are so many, so many good bands 
from this town and in in the in the area and i think just the general <clears throat> drudgery of being from cleveland kind of contributes to that this is kind of a shitty place exactly it's not- yeah rochester is not i mean it's nice but it's shitty too it, a lot of, there's a lot of similarities um right between the two you know a lot of dead dead real estate and, yeah just depression exactly um you know give me some bands that you would have like never expected to play with when like touring or playing shows with non-slaughter oh dude um we did netherlands death fest what 2017 um flew over there for just the one-off and and played two bands before emperor oh my or something three bands before emperor i think um I actually, by the time I got off the stage, I had pretty much forgotten about our set. I was just wanting to go see it. <laughs> uh, like 1349, it was like us, I think Devourment, and then 1349, and then Emperor. I think it was the lineup, and and it was, uh, I was just like, holy fuck. I mean, it's not a band you're going to see in the States, so or yeah. you, you at least got to go to Canada to see them, and uh, it, right. it, that was awesome. I, I've rewatched you know, I'll go, I'll go on YouTube and watch Emperor live videos <laughs> and I'll just watch them over and over again because I'm like, man, I'm never going to get to see that unless I get on an airplane and fly over there. Right. Uh, you forgot all the gear as well. You're like, yeah. fuck my gear, fuck yeah. the guitars. I'm okay. going to see Emperor. Yep. Yep. Um, that was sick. How about uh, like weird, weird bands? Like I'm talking like out of your genre. Oh, we, we played with sex trash in, okay. in, uh, Sao Paulo. Um, right. and I think they're, they're from there, I think. Um, and it, it was a really kind of a weird show. We ended up getting kicked back to like one in the morning and the shows there go till 4am. So right. because the buses run, it's weird anyway. Um, yeah, we played with sex trash. That was sweet. Um, there was one band in, in Argentina that we played with. I don't remember their name, but the singer sat on a toilet the whole time. <laughs> um <laughs> like brought a toilet on the stage yeah and turned that son of a bitch around <laughs> right up on the stage dude and sat on it and ass put his out elbows. and everything well he put no he, he was just wearing clothes but it was really fucking funny i, I still have pictures of it from the side of the stage because i couldn't believe what i was seeing um wow you know and then uh yeah there's always fest shows you know european fest shows it's like we play with every band you don't even you know you can't even remember them all um you know, hardcore. We played with like some some New York hardcore bands at a fest in in Germany. That was really, really different. Um, and you know, so it's 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 like after a while, it all kind of starts to blend together. But right, uh, but it I is. Saw pretty, a, I saw a video in, uh, I think it was California. You guys played on like, I don't know, like like in a development. From what I saw in the video, it looked like a neighborhood show. um i have no idea oh i don't know either (laughs) yeah too many shows to remember word so last question here can you give me some you know info on this new lp that you were talking about oh yeah um new lp yeah uh we're well at this point we're just finishing up my vocals my backup vocals everything else is tracked um and it's kind of mixed already we're just going to wrap it up get you know get the artwork done hopefully i think the plan was is for next year right now for a release um i i think originally we'd planned on starting to record this 
a little sooner, uh, but then shows kept coming. So we ended up doing it in December and then, you know, rolling through, uh, getting, getting it wrapped up now. So all the, a lot of lyrics still had to be done and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be done pretty soon and next year it'll get released. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of de- details on the release part of it or even who's going to put it out. I'm, I'm assuming hell's headbangers will release it. Yeah. Um, but that's not really my end of the, the business. So <clears throat> I just, um, I'm really excited about it because half the songs were, well, about half of them were written, uh, pre Joe, our new drummer. Yep. Um, and then the other half were written with Joe. So we, you know, we had the original tapes from, you know, 2013, 14 and 15, um, a bunch of cassette recordings from practice. Um, some of them, even before I was in the band, I don't even know who play. I don't even know who was playing guitar on some of those demos. I have no idea. 